Hey, what's up, everybody? It's episode 58, and this is the Follow You Anywhere podcast. And today we're talking about Cam can't quit laughing. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Laughing at you. What did I say that was wrong? You didn't say anything that was wrong. Just why, why are you laughing? Just, you were so focused on your phone, and you threw the phone down and instantly hopped into yeah, podcast you gotta, mode. You got to multitask. Podcast mode. Engaged. Yeah. I got it. This guy will not leave me alone about trying to sell my timeshare. And I'm trying to figure out, is it a scam? Wait, you have a timeshare? Or is it legit? You bought a timeshare? I've had one for like 15 years. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. How long is the timeshare for? What do you mean? Doesn't it have like a lifespan on it? Mm Mm-mm. No, it can be passed down to my kids. Did, have we not talked about this? No. Like, this is literally... No, we haven't talked about this. Like, this dude has been blowing me up, like, literally for the past week. And then with everything going on with Papa and the family, and then he just, like, he's ferocious. What? He, he won't leave me alone. Where is the timeshare? It's in uh, Riviera Maya, Mexico. How many times in 15 years have you been there? Well, that wasn't the one that I owned originally. Okay. I owned one in Orlando when I lived in Arkansas. And by the time I moved to Florida, I had already traded it in for the one in Mexico. The one in Orlando would actually be pretty convenient. How often can you use it? The one in Mexico? Yeah. Um, it is, I think I've got like 69, 68, 69 weeks left. So. So what happens when you run out of those weeks? Well, you don't, then then you've used all your time. Oh, okay. Yeah. But is it only on certain, like, time and stuff like Like, that? No, I use it whenever. Hmm. Yeah. How big is it? No. that's the that's the challenge is I have to if I take the whole family I've got to use two days for every day Why? because I've got to have two units oh because I can't take five the, the, the max occupancy is four hmm. but anyway like <laughs> they sent this contract and he's constantly blowing me up so what happens if you sell it if it's legit, then it's like I make money off of it. Mm. Like the I, I've used it and I've taken vacations, and I would get back more than what I've put into it gotcha. if it's legit. I've always heard that timeshares are like a bad idea. Yeah, that's why it makes me really question whether or not this is mm. legit. This is not what we were talking about on the podcast, but I am intrigued. Well, it is kind of. (laughs) Kind of. Because what we had talked about talking about on the podcast is it was more inspired by graduation coming up. um, Because that's when you bought yours, was when you graduated from high school, you bought a (laughs) timeshare. No, but the topic is related in the sense that we were talking about following God through decisions that do not have any clear biblical instruction. You bought this timeshare in college? No. 
So the way the just out of college, the way the episode was inspired. <laughs> Kim trying to twist things. I'm on just me. trying to figure it out. Uh, the way the episode was inspired was because we were thinking about all of the high school graduates that are graduating and deciding on where they're going to go to college. And obviously, you know, going to college is just like. You know, picking who you're going to marry, what job you're going to work at, what state you're going to live in, you know, what house you're going to buy, what car you're going to drive. None of those things are um, spoken about in the Bible. Like we have biblical principles that could potentially apply to some of that decision making, but it's not like you can open up your Bible and say, oh, well, the Bible says that whenever I graduate high school, I should go to the University of Arkansas. And you definitely can't open up your Bible and read that it says to go to Louisiana State University. Um, we know that's not in there. And what is this? What? Oh, my gosh. It's not in there. Uh, but... Neither I'm pretty, is. I'm pretty sure when you open your Bible, this noise happens. No. If no. you have the right Bible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is definitely heresy that's being spoken. All right, enough of that now. Enough of that. Don't do it. We're losing all of our listeners. Turn that crap off. It's terrible. So... Yeah, that. Stop it! Oh my gosh! I told you I already have a headache. It's <laughs> making it a lot worse. Uh, so obviously, there's not any biblical instruction about where they should go to school, and that's kind of what inspired it. But going back to you know making decisions about this timeshare, <laughs> or you know people that are dating and trying to figure out are they supposed to get married or people that are considering job offers which i mean again this time of the year people are graduating from college and going into the uh you know the the workforce the starting their careers and so or grad school yeah grad school so i mean so many different things fall into this category of i need to make a decision and I want to make a decision that honors God, but there's not any clear biblical instruction that tells me to make a decision one way or another. Yeah. And so I want us to talk about what it looks like to follow God through those decisions. Mm. So what do you think? I mean, being serious, not playing some LSU Theme music. That was serious. That was okay. not serious. That was serious. Home of the Fighting Tigers. <laughs> That's a great school. It's a great place to go to. Great programs. Yeah. Winning history. Yeah, I hear you. So, <laughs> how do you make decisions like that? Well, um, I think that obviously there's no black and white answer. Um, there's no just crystal clear, like, this is the right way to make this decision because every decision has a set of circumstances and a set of, you know, different things that go into, um, 
into different factors and, you know, different things that go into that decision. But um, I definitely think there are biblical principles to follow um, that allow you to make decisions that are going to be honoring to God and um, more more of a biblical decision as far as, like, lining up to what God's Word, lining up with what God's Word says without it actually saying in Third Geronimo 4, go to LSU. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so... I think the couple factors that play into that is when you're making those types of decisions, whether it's school, whether it's, um, you know, a relationship, a job. Um, there have been plenty of times, and I think I've mentioned it before um, in, in previous podcast episodes. I mean, there have been times in my life where I sat down with family and, and had, like, multiple job offers, and mm-hmm. we looked at all the job offers and, um, you know, we prayed about them and we looked at the benefits of the pros and cons of each one and the benefits of one or the other and those types of things. And there were moments where we came to the conclusion where everyone was kind of in agreement of we think God will be in any of these, like this mm-hmm. decision or this decision. We think they're honoring God in this decision and this decision. So what is going to work best for your family kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that there are situations where that type of thing happens. Um, so let's look at it from a school perspective mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I think when you're looking at um, choosing a school, so choosing a college to go to, mm-hmm. um, obviously the first thing that probably comes across your mind looking at colleges is um, probably a, a division between a school that you grew up loving or rooting for, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, having an attachment to versus a school that has the degree program or whatever you're looking for pursuing. Yeah. Um, because not all of them have it. Um, and, and you may get lucky and the school that you've always wanted to go to has the program that you wanted to have, that type of thing. Um and so first, it's a practical examination of does this have what I desire? Does this have what I need it to have? What I feel God has led me in the direction that I'm going to. Obviously, if you're going to be in ministry and you have a desire to go to seminary or to have a biblical degree, then you're going to have to go somewhere that offers that. You know? yeah. You're not, you're not going to go to LSU for that. Um, doesn't mean you can't, but that's just not going to be the route that you're going to take while you're physically there. Mm-hmm. Go to LSU, get your bachelor's, and then go somewhere else for a master's, you know, um, that's focused in ministry or whatever it may be. But um, but you're probably not going to LSU to get your MDiv. No. You know. No, you're definitely not going to LSU right. to get your MDiv. You know, uh, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know. But it's, it's, so it's one of those things from a practical standpoint. But I think what you have to do is, in any of those decisions that you're making, um, I think that you, you have to have good counsel. You mm-hmm. have to have people that you trust um, looking at the decision with you um, because it's really easy to, to be narrow-sided or to be far-sided and to um, have a big picture and miss the details or to have too small of a picture and miss 
you know, everything else going on around it. And to, so, so to have other people looking through the lens with you, mm-hmm. I think is mm-hmm. extremely important. So one, picking that counsel mm-hmm. uh, is extremely important. People that you trust, their opinion, value their opinion, and you also are willing for them to be a different opinion than you yeah. um, is, is extremely important. Um, and then I think that when those decisions start being made, um, you look at practical things as far as, um, you know, hey, if you're somebody that struggles with temptation or you struggle with different, you know, different aspects of um, different sins in your life or whatever, maybe going to certain schools is not the right decision. You know, a school that's more party heavy or a school that drinks more, whatever it may be, that, that's going to be everywhere to an extent. But if you're going to a place where that's the culture um, and you know that that's something that you struggle with and you're trying to walk uh, a road that's against that, yeah, going to that place is not going to be wise, you know? Yeah. Um, so even just looking at those type of practical things and making those types of decisions allow you to make a biblically God-honoring decision, saying, hey, I recognize that this is a weakness. I'm not going to go somewhere where that weakness is going to be prodded um, and, and really, you know, push out into the forefront. Um, but at the end of the day, unless you pray about it and God is just like, this is, this is what you're supposed to do, I really think that those types of decisions are not, uh, they're, they're definitely life altering, but they're not God altering. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not something that's going to take you out of his hands. It's not a decision that's going to take you out of one, because he already knows what decision you're going to make, but two, it's just not the way that God operates. Yeah. And so I think that there's opportunity. We, obviously we have free will. So I, I think there's also opportunity we don't want to do this, but to make a decision that isn't as God honoring and, and there's going to be consequences and there's going to be things that, um, that you don't probably don't want to experience or mm-hmm. walk through, but it doesn't take God out of the equation. Yeah. And I think there's several things there and I want to talk about some different scriptures that don't necessarily apply to specific decisions. Uh, although there are biblical principles that relate to, some of those decisions, examples that we're talking about, but more uh, so on in line of making decisions in general. Like, what does the Bible say about making decisions, not those specific types of decisions? But one thing that you mentioned there just a minute ago, and I think is really key, is that if we're going to follow God through our decision-making, who is the first person that we need to talk to about the decision? Well, God. God. <laughs> but but I think so often what happens is because God hasn't given us clear instruction in his word, and we know that, like we know, okay, it's not like God has revealed to me in his word who I'm supposed to marry or where I'm supposed to go to school or what job I'm supposed to take. We know it's not in there. Like we've read his word. That's the primary way he communicates to us. We know it's not in there. And we know that there are multiple options that would be God honoring. And so since there's not any specific school that's God's will or 
um, you know, person to marry that's God's will or job to take that's God's will in the sense of if you don't do this, you're sinning against God and, um, you know, you have no right to make the choice and there aren't multiple options that, that honor God. Since we don't believe that that's the case, I think sometimes what happens is we just automatically go to those other things. So yeah. talking to others or considering the different options and weighing the pros and cons where the Bible is pretty clear if you lack wisdom, right? James chapter 1, uh, let me read it real quick. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Here it is in verse 5 of James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so the Bible's pretty clear there that if you lack wisdom, like if you're questioning, okay, should I do this or should I do that? Is this the right decision to make? Is this the right school to go to? Is this the right person to marry? Is this the right job to take? Is this the right car to buy? Is this the right house to buy? If you're lacking clarity on that decision, then the first thing that you need to do is pray about it and ask God to guide you and direct you and provide clarity as you weigh those different decisions. And just because His Word doesn't say, yes, this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do, doesn't mean that He can't provide clarity through those other avenues as you continue going down that path. But if you just automatically skip over praying and don't ever ask God for wisdom or clarity or direction, then you've missed what what I would say is going to be the most important part of following God through your decision-making, and that's going to Him in prayer. Right. But then once you go to Him in prayer, uh, I think you've really got to start considering the different aspects of the different options. And you talked a little bit about that, right? So when you're going to school, it can't just be, God, I need you to give me wisdom and clarity and and show me the direction I need to go. And you say, all right, I've always been a diehard Razorback fan, and so this has got to be God's will for my life, so I'm going to go to Arkansas. You've got to really consider all of the different aspects of it. Well, we know God didn't say to go to Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, goodness. I, I mean, there's there's obviously that that tie and that desire to be a part of the school that you've always been a fan of. But, you know, when you consider things like God has made it clear that I'm supposed to walk in a manner worthy of the calling I've received. I'm supposed to pursue righteousness. I'm supposed to maintain moral purity. I'm supposed to abstain from abusing alcohol and abstain from drugs and things like that. And you start thinking about schools that you're considering that, like you said, might be much more heavy in the temptation of those things. 
Uh, and maybe it's not that you're going to go get drunk and do a bunch of drugs. Maybe it's just that you're going to be distracted because there's way too many distractions. Then that's something that I think you've got to consider. You've got to consider what degree you're pursuing and, and what, uh, you know, what the, the college has to offer. You've got to consider the financial impact. And are you being a good steward? Because the Bible talks about being good stewards. And so, you know, I think all of those different things, speaking of what school you're going to, are things to consider. And then, of course, we know, you know, you've heard probably for as long as you can remember uh, any message that has to do with dating and marriage. There's a lot of things that you've got to consider when determining who you're going to marry. It's not just about physical attraction and looks. It's about personality types. It's about interests. It's about uh, obviously being aligned spiritually and uh, both having a relationship with the Lord and valuing the things of God's Word. And so, you know, all of those different things that you've got to consider, purchasing the vehicle, same way. Can I afford it? Am I being a good steward? Can this money be used better? Is this going to be uh, efficient with fuel? Is this going to be safe? Is this going to work well for the family? Is this going to be a vehicle that, you know, is, is going to last me for a long time? So even as my family grows, then this vehicle will be sufficient. I mean, so like all of these different things, these are the different aspects of the decision-making process. And I think you've got to determine what those things are. And then you've got to go to God's Word. And yeah. even though God's Word is not going to say, thou shalt go to this school, thou shalt marry this person, thou shalt buy this car, thou shalt live in this house. It's not going to say those things. There are many biblical principles that speak to us about the lifestyle that we should live, the things that we should value, the priorities that we should have in our life, you know, biblical principles about stewardship and making wise financial decisions, principles about, um, you know, how we should live our lives as, as men, as husbands, as fathers, as workers. And so if, if we're trying to weigh decisions with, you know, one option is going to, even though it's not against God's Word, and God's Word doesn't say this is the right way, but we're weighing that against something that, that seems to be much more conducive to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received, and, and uh, you know, the, the diff different aspects of one way are much more likely to lead to actions, behaviors, and attitudes and a lifestyle that honors God and the other ways not, then I think you've got to lean that direction. Because even though the Bible doesn't say, yeah, one's right and one's wrong, the Bible does say, hey, if you make this decision, this, this, this lines up a lot closer to what God's plan for your life is. Yeah. So I think that decision's a lot, it's a big decision, but it's a lot easier to weigh those types of pros and cons and stuff like that and to weigh, not that pros and cons of following God, but to, to be able to weigh those different types of things. Um, but what about in a situation where, like you've mentioned it, like you're buying a car? Mm -hmm. It's a lot less of a 
you're not moving somewhere. You're not yep. spending, you know, like, the, so that's more like a, a financial decision. Yep. Yep. That's more of a, you know, practical, practical. like, what do I need? That, yep. that type of yep. thing. So how do you, how do you come to that same, same place and same mindset, but it's a completely different outcome as far as the, the weight of the decision? Yeah, I, so I think first you've got to determine your convictions, right? If you if you believe that the Bible says that you should not incur debt, and there's some people that believe that taking out a loan for a vehicle is wrong. Well, if you believe that and you can't afford a vehicle um, unless you take out a loan for the vehicle, then... I think that answers your question. Now, I personally don't believe that that's, that's wrong. I've had many loans, and uh, I wish I did have enough money to where I could pay everything yeah. cash. Yeah. But, you know, there's some people that believe that, uh, you know, their personal conviction is that they should not do that. So if that's me and that's my personal conviction, then I'm automatically – Going, on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, I'm, I'm automatically going somewhere where I can afford the car in cash. And there's not even there, there's not even a reason for me <laughs> to pray and, and ask God to provide a vehicle that I know that I can't afford if yeah. my personal conviction is no I'm debt. not going to take out a loan. Um, I got one dollar yeah. in cash right now <laughs> in my pocket. <laughs> You're in trouble. You're gonna be uh, vehicleless. Uh, <laughs> you can't buy nothing. Uh, <laughs> nor can you get a loan with one dollar down payment. So uh, I mean, hey, yeah, I might be able to. I got really good credit though. There you go. There you so go. So I might be able to get something. There you go. So <laughs> so I'd start there, right? And, and you say, well, okay, I believe that taking out a loan is just the normal process. And, um, you know, I don't have any personal convictions that would lead me to believe that that's wrong. And so then where do I go from there? Well, I think that financially, you've got to make sure that you're still going to be able to meet your financial responsibilities. Yeah. So you got to pay your bills, Mm -hmm. but you're also going to still be able to honor God with your finances. And so... If I'm looking at two vehicles and I'm like, man, I really like this one right here, but it's a little bit more expensive, and the only way I can see myself affording it is if I back off my tithe a little bit, then, you know, if you're going to follow God with that decision, <laughs> then you gotta you got to check yourself and say, no, I can't do that. Right. You know, same way if you say, well, no, I'm going to continue... I'm going to continue tithing, but uh, I'm not going to be able to afford my my dinners for my family every night. So we're going to have to start eating ramen noodles every night. Get no. in the truck, baby. We yeah. eating ramen noodles. No, Dude, you can't make <laughs> decisions like that. And so there there is a personal convictions as far as debt goes. There is okay. Can I still? meet my financial obligations and honor God with my finances. So once you've gone through those two things, then it's a matter of uh, what is going to be the most practical. Mm-hmm. And am I being a good steward by purchasing this vehicle? So question. And, and I think, wait, before okay. b- before we jump into something else, okay. because I, I need to say this, 
and, and I think that there's some people that look at buying a vehicle and they say, well, it's not being a good steward to pay $50,000 for a vehicle when you could buy a $10,000 vehicle. But I would say that's not necessarily the case because if you spend $50,000 for a vehicle and you drive it for five years and you sell it for $45,000 versus spending $10,000 for a vehicle, driving it for five years and getting nothing out of it, then you're actually being a better steward by spending more but having more value for what you have left after you drive it. And so But do you think you could buy a car for fifty and drive it for five years and sell it for forty five? Yeah. Yeah, if you if you get the right vehicle that maintains its value. So I'll give you an example. Maybe not five years. I don't know. I we bought that forerunner that we just traded in and got her um her minivan Still pains me to say that we've got a minivan, but it's the most non-looking minivan I've ever seen. But anyway, it doesn't look like a minivan. It doesn't look like a minivan. It's. I mean, it's a nice car. Anyway, we traded we traded in that Forerunner, and we basically drove that Forerunner for two to three years and traded it in for what we paid for it. But I, but I would say that that's not normal. We're at an all-time high trade-in value right now. Yeah. We Which tra- is fine. I mean, like, play the market, you know. But I think that... But, but what I'm saying is, though, like, even if it was not in a good market... Okay, I mean, even if, you're if right. Forerunners hold their value. Even but if I, it wasn't in a normal market, what I'm saying is, say it goes down $10,000... People want to focus on, oh, well, you spent 40000 when you could have spent ten. Well, yeah, but if I'm going to get 30000 back versus zero, yeah. then it's right. Whether right. you spend ten or 40, it's still the same thing. Right. And so that's all I'm saying is you can't automatically assume that it's not good stewardship to buy. Yeah. And that was actually going to be, that was actually going to be one of my, the questions I was going to ask you. So you answered it without me asking it. But I, I mean, I mean, I sold a van, uh, a 15-passenger van, which 15-passenger vans always hold their value to some extent because it's such a big people mover. Mm-hmm. Um, but we bought our van for $6,500 six years ago, and we put almost 100,000 miles on it. And it is not in the best condition. It wasn't in bad condition, but it was not in the best condition. And we sold it for five grand. So, I mean, we got our money's way yeah. out of it. But I think trying to sell it two years ago, mm-hmm. we would have got like two grand for it. Really? Or three grand for it, probably. The people are just so, like, they need vehicles. You know, right. like, cars are just harder to come by right now. So I was just, but yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was looking last night. By no means, I got a great truck. I love my truck, but by no means. The only reason I actually was even looking at something was because people were talking about how much money they're actually giving for trade-ins, especially trucks. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't looking at my trade-in value. I was just looking at new trucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have the feature where you can, like, build your own truck. And so I did that. Mm-hmm. And for, like, $70 more a month, I could go build this 
brand new 2022 Dodge 1500, you know, Ram 1500 decked out. Because I got a 2018 Ram. You going to do it? No. Oh, okay. I I mean, no. It'd be great, but no. Um, But mine is like a very, like, just like one step above the base, you know, like, and which is more than enough. I'm not saying that I'm lacking. I love my truck. But it was just kind of shocking to see, like, hey, man, for $70 more a month. But I'm also paying on it for the next, you know, 72 months. 42 years. You know, um, in comparison to, I was wrong when we talked about how much we owed on our cars, Uh by the way. It was less than I thought. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, instead of owing $52,000 on a truck, I'll owe fourteen. you know. (laughs) So, uh, but it was just kind of shocking to see that just for a little bit more money. Yeah. But then they just wrap you in, you know. Um, but, yeah, that was my question was going to be, how can you justify saying that? Like, oh, for just $70 more a month, I can pay this much money and get this nice of a truck and, like, all this extra stuff when I could go buy, a, you know, a Toyota Camry or a Honda Civic that's going to run, you know, mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. I could buy it for ten thousand, fifteen thousand. You know, it's already got it's used or whatever. You know, and like that type of thing. Well, and I actually I struggle with that a little bit whenever I got the Tahoe, which I told you that I wanted to have a vehicle that set up high because I'd been in something that set low for so long with company vehicles, and so I was already kind of leaning towards that. But the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge so to speak was that that Tahoe I I was going to spend more for an old like 10 15 year old fuel efficient car than I spent for that Tahoe now granted I put some money into it to kind of fix it up yeah but whenever I go to sell it like fix it like yeah up up, up. off the ground (laughs) but whenever i go to sell it i'm going to be able to get i would expect if not all of my money back most of my money back whereas if i would have bought the cars that i was looking at i wouldn't have been as happy driving them like because i mean my truck's pretty cool it's (laughs) uh, it's got some issues that i need to work on but it's pretty cool and I enjoy driving it. I wouldn't have enjoyed the cars as much. And then whenever I went to go sell the car, I would have got less out of the car than what I'm going to get for the truck. And yeah. so, you know, that's those things all have to be a part of that decision-making process. And then, you know, now one of the big decision-making factors is gas mileage because, goodness gracious, we're going to be at like, $18 a gallon before too long. So, I mean, those are all practical things. And then you talked about going to others and, you know, getting wise counsel. And the Bible talks about that as well in uh, Proverbs 15. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I think it's Proverbs 15, 22. Uh, No, it's not 1522. What is it? 
22-15. Oh. I was actually in 22-15. That's why. <laughs> uh, it is Proverbs 15-22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, having, and it's got to be good counsel, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Having good counsel is biblical. And it helps you get different perspectives. But hopefully if, you know, you're talking to someone who's aligned with you on values, priorities, honoring God, things like that, they're going to help you think through those things that we're talking about. Yeah. Like with principles of stewardship and principles of uh, morality and integrity and continuing to be able to uphold uh, your responsibilities and obligations and all of those things. And then so once you go through that, okay, talking about praying and then determining, okay, what are the different aspects of this decision? What does the Bible have to say about uh, the, the principles that apply and seeking godly counsel and, and seeing what others have to say. I'm not saying you have to do that for every decision. Like, I don't know that you have to call a bunch of your buddies and say, hey, I'm looking at buying these vehicles. What do you think? Um, but I think there are some decisions in life that that's more important than others. Sure. You know, you go into school or, uh, you know, you're looking at a, a big career change or something like that. Uh, I think it's good to talk through stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, it's just getting a, a different set of ears and eyes, a different perspective. But once you do all of those things, I think it goes back to one of my favorite verses, the verse that I preach whenever I came in view of a call here. And this verse a lot of times is used in um, the decision-making process, like following the Lord through the decision itself. But I think it's also got to apply after you actually make the decision. And that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And so there's this aspect of that verse that says, okay, you don't lean on your own understanding and your own strength. You've got to trust in the Lord. You've got to pray and ask God to guide you and direct you. And if you pay attention to what he's doing and you follow him, and you apply the principles in his word, then he's going to direct your path, and you're going to be okay. Um, but I think the other side of that is once you've made the decision, so you've decided who you're going to marry, you've decided where you're going to school, you've decided what job you're going to take, like at the end of the day, you've got to trust the Lord with your decision. I mean, if you made your decision with prayer and biblical counsel and seeking God's word to consider the different principles that apply to the different aspects of that decision, you've got to say, okay, God, I've done my best to honor you with this decision, and I need you to give me peace about it. And, and you've got to trust him to work out even at times, maybe uh, issues with the decision that that you've made that um, you you second guess yourself and say, "Did I really make the right decision?" That 
you know, should I have chosen the other vehicle? Should I have chosen the other school, the other job, <laughs> the other wife? <laughs> you know, that's you know, when you're thinking about those things, you can't second guess yourself to the point to where you are thinking that you have missed God's will and now yeah. you'll never be in God's will. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, that last example, talking about choosing your spouse, like we live in a fairy tale culture that says there's, you know, you got your soulmate and, yeah. you know, maybe you missed uh, who you were supposed to marry. And um, the reality is, once you make that decision, guess what? It's God's will for you to be married to that person. Yeah. Uh, because the Bible says very clearly God hates divorce. And so, um, you know, even if you look at it and say, man, I, I might have been better off with somebody else, it doesn't matter. At that point, it's God's will for you to work through that. And, to, um, the, I mean, pretty, pretty clear in Ephesians 5, uh, the husband's supposed to love his wife like Christ loves the church. Yeah. And uh, the wife is supposed to submit to the husband. And, and so it's a, it's a, a process of um, commitment. But even the, the others that aren't necessarily, you're not bound by those decisions, I, I think the same thing is still true. Like, you've got to trust God with those decisions. Okay, so you went to a school and now you're second guessing yourself. Did I pick the right university? Is this the right fit? Okay, maybe God leads you to transfer to another school. And if that's the case, that's fine. But anytime you have a doubt, you can't question that you've made the wrong decision and you've permanently destroyed your path to success because, you know, you should have chosen the other school. You've got to trust the Lord and say, I prayed through it. I I sought godly counsel. I studied God's word, and I made the decision that I felt like was God's will. And and you got to trust the Lord to work out those other details. Um, buying a vehicle, buying a house, all same thing. You know, you can't live with the regrets. Doesn't mean that God can't lead you in a different direction, but I think sometimes we. Uh, we really hinder our ability to move forward by second-guessing decisions we've made. And we justify it spiritually because we say, well, maybe I made the wrong decision because there wasn't any biblical clarity. Well, maybe we worship a God that is sovereign and fully in control, and we He can work through... The God who <laughs> he, he, can, he can work God through all of our mistakes and our bad decisions uh, and... And he's more concerned with our desire to follow him and to honor him with our decisions than the actual decision on which car to buy. And we can't get so wrapped up in the decision that we make that we miss the peace that comes from knowing, hey, look, I really tried to honor God with this decision. Yeah. And I believe he's going to bless me for that. And... He's going to work through the, the challenges that at times come. And then finally... Um, That's not know. the verse that I expected you to use, though. Yeah? I thought you might go like Psalm 38, 7. Yeah, what does that say? No. I don't know. You got to look it up. <laughs> no, I got it. It's, uh, it's a great one. It's, Lo, I have a 
painful disease in my loins. Dude, what? Yeah. What are, what are you talking about? That's what it says. Why did you think I was going to go with that verse? I don't know. Trying to make a decision. You got heartburn and you got... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the, the, the King James version. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. Oh. Yeah. No. For my loins are full of burning pain. <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I'm just being, dumb. being silly. I'm not sure what college. I'm not sure what college to go to. <laughs> My loins are burning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but then finally, you know, I, I think after it's all said and done, you don't need to second guess yourself, but you do have to be willing to admit when you make a mistake. Uh, and sometimes the mistakes are an opportunity for you to learn and grow. But I think if you refuse to admit that it's able for you to make the wrong decision, yeah, then you'll walk in arrogance and, and pride and think that you're, you never make mistakes, which is obviously not true. But then it's going to make you that much more thankful when God does – honor your desire to to honor him with your decision making you make the right decision and he blesses you for it you have great success you got to be quick to give him the glory for it right because yeah you made the decision good for you awesome (laughs) you nailed it but who gave you the wisdom to make the decision the lord it was god yeah and um so yeah i think it's a pretty complicated topic, but I, I think that it's um, yeah, I, I think that it's possible to honor God with your decisions, even when God's word is not clear on what decision you should make. And like you said, and kind of like what I was saying earlier, I think it's possible to honor God even if you quote unquote make the wrong decision. Yeah, it's all about what you do with that decision, you know. Um, because there are plenty of people that, that can go somewhere, make a decision and then completely just like turn and run from that or or just completely throw that decision out the window with their actions and their other decisions that follow, you know? So like, if you really feel like the Lord is leading you to a specific college and then you get there and you completely throw (laughs) your faith out the window, (laughs) yeah, God's not honored in that. Right. You know? Um, but another question for you, uh, kind of going off this, I had a friend say this one time and I, I know what they meant by it and I can kind of see it, but somebody asked him about a job and said, you know, where am I, where, where am I supposed to, how do I make a, how do I make this decision? And he jokingly, but somewhat seriously said, God is everywhere. Go where the money is. Hmm. And basically saying that if you are doing ministry and you're serving the Lord and you are um, in pursuit of those types of things and being willing to be a vessel, mm-hmm. that God is going to use you wherever you're at. And and there is going to be ministry opportunities wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. So take the job that, you know, so say you've got two identical jobs. Yeah. Take the job of more money because God's going to use you in both places. 
I know there's a lot of pastors that think that way. Yeah. And they're constantly transitioning from one ministry to another. Yeah. You know, for me, my personal conviction is it's kind of the opposite. Like, I don't ever want money to be the deciding factor. It, is it important for me to be able to provide for my family? Absolutely. Right. But as long as I can provide for my family and I feel like <laughs> the the Lord is leading me in one direction or another, I'm trying to be in the place where I feel like it's the best fit, but also that I'm going to have the most impact. Yeah. And so I think about that even like... I mean, man, you out here providing, you got a timeshare in Mexico. Yeah, that was from before <laughs> full-time ministry. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, I think about, like, mission trips, you yeah. know, and this is the way I look at mission trips because you can make the same argument for mission trips, Yeah, right? Just, hey, pick one. Pick whichever one you would – pick whichever place that you would like to go to and go there because there's going to be opportunities for you to share your faith anywhere you go. There's going to be opportunities to see lost people saved anywhere you go. Like if you go out of the country and you're going to an area that has a lot of, um, you know, people of different faiths, then the opportunity is there for you to, to point them to Jesus and for yeah. them to get saved. Yeah. But yeah I think, that's, I think we got to, I, I think we got to go on at least a week, maybe two long week trip to I don't know, Jamaica. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is, and I hear you, that would be a great, great uh, vacation. I don't know about mission trip. No, no. See, there's, there's people there that need to hear about maybe Paris. But what I'm saying is, you can have people that need to be saved, and you can say, well, it's the same opportunity. I can do ministry anywhere. But I don't think anybody would argue that there are places where. Oh, there's places of greater the impact. The soil has been prepared more effectively, and the opportunity to to see the harvest is much greater and much more likely than it is in other places. Absolutely. And so, yeah. and, and I think that's true when it comes to ministry. I think that's true when it comes to your job. I think that's true when it comes to your marriage or the school you're going to. Like, there are... It's not that one is necessarily right and one is necessarily wrong, but there are decisions that you can make that are going to provide you with a much greater likelihood of being the the husband and the father that you need to be, having the family that you need to have, um, being able to get the education that you need, being able to impact the the college and the community the way you need to, being able to advance your career, like yeah, yeah, it's it's not as simple as saying, oh yeah, well if you're going to be in ministry, then uh, just go to whichever one pays most because you're going to be able to you're going to be able to preach or you're going to be able to lead worship or you know whatever that ministry is for you, you're going to be able to do that wherever you go. Uh, the only difference is how much they're going to pay you to do it. I just think that's so flawed. Yeah. Uh, not to hate on your friends <laughs> because, I mean, there's a lot of people that think that way. Um, but I would rather be, like, for me personally, if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at two positions and 
one pays $30,000 more a year. Um, but the one that pays $30,000 less is still enough for me to support my family. But it feels like a better fit with more potential than the other one. That maybe the reason they can pay more is because they've got a lot of people that have been there a long time that can afford more money, but they want somebody to just come and continue to do things the way they've always been done. Yeah. And they don't really, they're, they're not really open or receptive to do anything differently. And they're not serious about reaching people. They're just, they're wanting somebody to come in and teach them the Bible and kind of, you know, maintain the status quo. They're not looking for a leader. Then for me, like this is just me and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. For me, I think I would go to the place that pays me $30,000 less, but has greater potential and greater receptivity to what I believe we should be doing as a church, which is reaching as many people as we can with the gospel. Yeah. How about if that $30,000 difference puts you right on the cusp of not being able to provide for your family? Then I think it becomes a more difficult decision. Because there would be some people that would argue like, well, then you just got to have faith that God's going to provide. Yeah. Which to some degree is fair. And I I do agree with that. Um, But he also (laughs) says to be a good steward. So so my response would probably be if if I was in that position to just go to the the people at the church um, and say, hey, look, I really believe that, you know, I, I've got I've got a couple opportunities, and I'm just going to be honest with you. One would be much more financially advantageous for the family, yeah, and and it would be much more comfortable. But I really feel like this is a better fit, and. I honestly feel like uh, the the Lord is leading me in this direction, but I'm really concerned with being able to provide for my family with what you have to offer. Is there is there any anything that we can do to to make this a little bit better? Yeah, and I think you just have that honest conversation. Yeah, um, I would do that before saying, "Well, well, yeah, yeah, I just sure. can't, you know, yeah. I can't, I can't afford it." But going back to what happens if they say, oh, absolutely not. That's that's the best we can possibly do. I I agree. You just got to step out on faith. Yeah. Um, and it's a little different because one was ministry and one was secular. But, I mean, I've, I've told you before, that's what right. happened whenever we came here. Yeah. I mean, I took a substantial pay cut. Uh, but I had no doubt that the Lord was was clearly leading. Yeah, me. I also think that there, in moments like that, from my experience and from hearing experiences like yours and from other people that I know, the Lord seems to be a little bit more directive in those circumstances. Yeah, when it's going to be that big of a yeah. sacrifice, yeah. lifestyle change, leap of faith, things like that. Because, like for me. 
like choosing where I went to school was more practical for me. Like it was more of a practical choice. I was choosing because my girlfriend lived closer to the school that I was choosing to go to. And then she became my wife, you know, um, my job was there, you know, I would have had to uproot everything that I knew to go to a different school. Mm -hmm. And I just chose not to do that. But I didn't feel this like overwhelming sense from God to be like, this is where you're going. Yeah. But I did like look at the landscape. Right. And go, this makes way more sense. Yep. This allows me to do my ministry. Mm -hmm. This allows me to have the relationships that I have. So it seems as if God is pointing in this direction for all aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to completely uproot everything and go somewhere else, can I still do that and thrive? Sure. But it just it didn't seem like that was the right call. Yeah. But like you said, there was no like, the Lord wasn't like, this is exactly what's, you know, has to happen. So. Yeah. One thing that we didn't talk about today, but we've talked about in episodes past when we talked about our stories is, and it kind of goes along with what, what I was talking about in the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord um, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Um, acknowledging Him is acknowledging the doors that He's opening and closing. Yeah. And, and I think that as you're making those big life decisions— who you're going to marry, where you're going to, um, you know, spend spend your life as far as your career goes, things like that that are going to have a, you know, a major impact. Yeah. We're talking about uprooting your entire family and moving to another state. Like, in both of our stories we've shared, there were a lot of doors that God was closing and a lot of doors that God was opening. Yeah. And, and um, you got to pay attention to those things. Yeah, absolutely. Not as many doors opening and closing when you're deciding on what car to buy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, probably even what school to go to. Although, I, I mean, I think you've got a level of doors opening and closing sure. when you're looking for schools. Um, and that also determines what doors and stuff will open and close beyond that decision. Yeah, to yeah. some degree. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. I think we're uh, probably running a little long today, so. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that uh, it's it's been a good discussion, though, yeah. and it's really, it's, it's a complex topic yeah. to consider. Well, because like, there's no black and, there's no yeah, just like black and white, hard, fast rule. Most of your very, very important, like, decisions that would, impact who you are as a person god gives us clear instruction in his word yeah as far as like what okay what does it mean to um you know what's his plan for marriage you know one man one woman what is his plan for having a pure lifestyle and what are the the guardrails that he set up to keep us from falling into a path that leads to destruction how do you get saved you know what where where is hope found i mean things that like have such an impact on our lives as individuals 
are pretty clearly spelled out, even what does it mean to worship and what's our purpose and all of those things. But some of the decisions we're talking about on, on today's episode are major decisions mm-hmm. that aren't in the Bible at all. Yeah. And and so um, I think it's it's very important to consider how to follow God through those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, just kind of recapping, obviously going to the Lord first in prayer, in His Word, um, because there's wisdom to be found, even if there's not an exact answer, there's wisdom to be found. And then uh, surrounding yourself with wise counsel and uh, and then just weighing the practical aspects of those types of decisions and ultimately knowing that the decisions that you make, um, what you do with those decisions is how you honor the Lord um, moving forward. And uh, and that the beautiful thing about who God is is that there's grace mm-hmm. even in those decisions, whether they are, quote-unquote, the right or wrong decision. And, uh, and so... Um, but nevertheless, it's, a, it's an important thing to want to try to weigh and to spend time making those decisions because, you know, they are. School's a big decision. Yeah. Financial decisions impact so many different aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and don't stuff. forget to admit if you make a mistake yeah. and be willing to learn from it and fail forward. And uh, certainly don't forget when you make the right decision yeah. to give God the glory because he's the one that gives you the wisdom to make those wise decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, well, gearing up, we've, we're, uh, we're, we're heading fast for the summer. So I think we talked about it. We've got a couple more episodes that we're going to hit and then we're going to hit the pause button. Yeah. Give them some ketchup time. Some ketchup and mustard time. No, no, not that kind of ketchup. Oh yeah. C A T C H up. Catch up. Catch up. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to give you some time to catch up. Uh, I know we've talked to several of you, and you kind of fallen behind, I acting mean, hey, like 50, life. 50, 58 episodes is life gets, a lot. Acting like life gets busy for you or something. Yeah. Like we live in a busy culture. I don't know what got, busyness is. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, we're going to give you some time to get caught up, and we're gonna, we've got a lot of stuff going on in the summer, and so... Um, It'll be about, what do we look at, about uh, a month, a month and a half or yeah, so? Yeah, a month and a half, something yeah, like that. Um, maybe five weeks or so that uh, you can catch up on some episodes. But uh, we'll we'll have a couple more between now and then, and then uh, we'll take that little break, and we'll be back with some fresh new episodes uh, towards the end of the summer. So this episode 58, and we'll be back next Tuesday with episode 59. 59. Let's follow you anywhere.